Greetings and salutations, everyone, and welcome to the graveyard ship of Mr. J. I um have a really cool guest with me tonight. Um, her name is uh Tempest Crane, I believe. I'm saying that right, right? Yeah, you're saying that right. All right, welcome to the show. Now, uh, introduce yourself to everyone. Um, well, I'm Tempest. I play bass guitar for a band called Apocalypse Theater and another band called Harsh Reality. Um, previously with All the Pretty Horses. Um, been playing music for about 35 years, um, all around the U.S., Spain, Amsterdam, New Zealand, U.K., and, uh, here I am talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, um, um, before the, uh, show, you told me a lot about Kiss, that, uh, it inspired you when you were as young as six, I believe. And, you know, do you, where do you think you would be without, you know, I guess, Kiss? Do you think you'll still be getting into music or do you think is like if you did get into music, would it still be the same music that that you make today? Um, no, I, I I don't think it would. I mean, I mean, Kiss was um earlier. Um, my mother belonged to a record club, and this is this is way back. album of the month on it and if you didn't send back the card um you would get automatically shipped and charged for that album well my mom forgot to send in that card that time and the album came and it was kiss destroyer i was six years old i didn't know what rock and roll even was i had no exposure to it. i lived on a farm in nebraska and this album came in and i took a look at it and i knew one thing when i looked at it Kiss looked like superheroes. I made my mom keep that in love with it. I wanted to be Gene Simmons. Um, little did I know that, you know, 20 years later, I'd be working as Gene Simmons. Um, the uh, stage thing I grew up listening to Johnny Cash and Black Sabbath and Blondie. Um, all sorts of different things, Adam Ant, anything that had a, a flamboyant style to it. Um, because rock and roll, to me, was always larger than life. You didn't want to be, uh, you didn't want to go see a, a show if they're just wearing flannel and staring at their shoes. That was boring. And singing sad songs that was out of this world. You wanted aliens landing on smoke and fire, um, you know, creatures of the night spitting blood. Um, and you wanted something that would be a show and you could go back and you, you would see this show and you and your friends would talk about it for days coming up weeks after you did because that would it'd be such a formative moment for you and that's what rock and roll always was to me it was more than just the theatrics of it and the showmanship of it okay Wow. See, you know, I guess everybody's path is, you know, usually different towards, you know, creativity because, um, like, I'm, I'm personally, my true passion is writing. You know, I love making, you know, writing movies and scripts like that. And, you know, if it weren't for, like, people like Quentin Tarantino or, you know, um, I guess Christopher Nolan, he came in late with me, but it taught me about a, a, a real lesson about psychological thrillers. And, you know, I, you know, there's these artists, you know, that, you know, I admire and it's, it's just like, you know, I, I see them impact 
people and you know wow people with just stories and it's just it, ma- it makes me want to do the same thing and you know it makes me want to get up and you know get a crew together and create something beautiful and it's so cool that you spent 35 of your years of your life doing just that and you know I, that's one of the many reasons why i wanted you up here because i i i want to say that i admire you I mean, I mean, you may be an inspiration to people for many other reasons, but for me, well, that, it's just that you got quote, up and got out there. There was a great quote by a country western singer. His name is Ray Wiley Hubbard. Mm-hmm. And he said, "You know, there, there was one thing uh, people would come up to him and say, you know, um, you know, how do you get, to, how do you get to be what you are? You know, how do you get to, you know, you've you've done this for thirty years or thirty-five years or something. You know, how do you, how do you stick with it that long?" And he said, "Well, there's one key to that." don't learn how to do anything else don't go to college <laughs> don't go to school <laughs> just learn how to play music and if that's all you know how to do you're going to get pretty good at it otherwise you're going to start yeah just kind of joke uh, of course and everything and even as a musician and things like that i've you know i've gone to college and everything but i research things i look at everything that everybody's doing because everybody has something that you can learn from even if you may not like that particular style of music or that style of show or something, if you can take one thing from what they're doing that you like, oh, well, I really like that. That's kind of cool what they're doing with that. And always steal from the best. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's funny because I heard that recently. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think there's anything new under the sun anymore. Um, just different interpretations of how to do different things and everybody expands and builds on everything but that's how creativity works mm-hmm. you but get inspired by something may i ask you a question one um artist to another how do you make something new because like i recently i thought i came up with an original idea for a script but if if it weren't for like noir film noir films or like you know black the classic black and white you know he's looking at you kid <laughs> you know yeah if it weren't for those, you know, I wouldn't have been insp- inspired to make the film that, you know, my one of my first films that I want to produce and, you know, you know, put out there. But like creativity doesn't exist in a vacuum. Okay. You can't be creative in a vacuum because you're, you're basically you'd be sitting in a dark room with nothing around you. And it's hard to get any ideas. Ideas come from our experience in life. You know, uh, so um, like Tom so like all of our mistakes. OK, so the first songwriter, the f- first bookmaker, it was just like, hey. You know, I experienced this, and you know what? Exactly. I feel like people and, and might want to know my that. story, and maybe I exaggerated a little bit, you know, just to, you know, to bring the story across in a different way, or exaggerated to hide, you know, who it actually is about. Because it might, I might say it's Tim, but my name is actually Evan, you know. And, and you use your imagination. The things yeah. like the, the solar eclipse being a dragon eating the sun and things like that. Mm. That's somebody's imagination going wild with that. Then somebody takes that idea and goes even further with it. Um, and that's how it all works. Okay. I appreciate you know, that. You, 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 <laughs> you, you, you can't be inspired, you know, sitting in a, a room all by yourself with, you know, four white walls and, you know, a light bulb. That That's not going to do anything to you. You have to get out in the world. You have to live. Um, I encourage everybody to travel as much as possible. Get to meet different people. Go to different places, different countries if you can. Um, And believe it or not, even though I I do rock and roll and, you know, I'm very flamboyant and things like that on stage, I did all that because I'm incredibly shy. Mm. And 
Oh my gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, before she continues, <laughs> I want to tell all of you this woman's performances. I've only seen pictures and there's sparks flying from her bass. Like I'm I'm talking about it looks like the fourth of fucking July on her guitar. <laughs> and like she's just like, Oh, I'm shy. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> I mean, you kind of have to be shy to kind of bring some something like with that much pizzazz out because usually the most shyest people in the world have like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, the weed got, <laughs> oh no, oh fuck, I'm sorry, that's not professional, but uh, <clears throat> mm, mm, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that is pro, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Just it, 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 you put on an amazing show, but you know, shy, like I said, like shy people have a lot to express because they don't say anything. Well, that that's the expression of everything, and you know, um, B. Snyder of Twisted Sister okay. um, also said that he was incredibly shy about things, and um, the way he solved it, and the way it's a similar way that I approached it, is because I had a hard time coming up and talking to people or interacting with people. Um, I became the most interesting person in the room. Then of they'd course. come up and talk to me. Otherwise, I'd be sitting in a dark corner somewhere and, and you know, not talking to anybody because I was too shy to make eye contact or anything. But if if you're the really interesting one, you know, if you're wearing fox pelts on your shoulder and you got chains draped off you and, and five-inch stiletto heels or something, people will go, well, what the hell is going on there? And they'll come up and talk to you. Especially you if you're not saying a word because it's just like you're peacocking, but the peacock doesn't say a word. Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so that, that's that's the way it worked for me was um, just to – Try to be somebody that people want to come up and get okay, to know. Okay, so you were your own conversational piece. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, I, I, I wanted to be something larger than life um, because I wanted to be able to inspire other people to dream and to do different things. You, you spoke about the the sparks flying off my bass guitar. Well, yes. that's done with an angle grinder and a steel plate that I mount on my bass guitar. Uh, I get more applause off that because it's incredibly visual than anything I play all night. I'm a very accomplished player. Um, no, I can actually listen to I, your I can, music I can take a power and, tool and enjoy myself, and though. I, I want can take you to a power know tool and apply it to my guitar and make sparks mm -hmm. fly and get a huge amount of applause. That takes zero skill whatsoever. I'm just pushing a button on a power tool. Yeah, exactly. But it makes a visual impact. Um, what I got that from was back when I played with all the pretty horses, we had a dancer called Shannon Blowtorch. Um, and she would do it. She had these uh, this metal underwear that was welded up um, by one of our friends had made it. That sounds and dangerous. she would strap those on, and she would take the angle grinder and use it on her crotch, and sparks would go everywhere. That's well, we were talking about <laughs> We're talking about inspiration. So I got inspired by her to mount that, the metal plate on my bass guitar, and then I'd put the bass guitar between my legs and use the grinder on it. Similar effect. Well, Shannon Blowtorch got that from a burlesque performer out in New York City called uh, that was named uh, Betty Blowtorch ah. that would use that that similar technique, and she was, you know, performed at different carnival events and burlesque events and things like that. And so, once again, it's you still from the off. best, exactly. 
Wow. And so it's it's kind of made its rounds. <laughs> All right. That's and cool that you keep it alive, though, because it's, I wouldn't consider it stealing. You're just keeping that, you know, tradition, you know, that that move is like a signature move, like of a wrestler, if you will. And like, it, you it know, very much like that. And it's it's in a way um, tribute to the person that inspired yes. you because you're keeping that alive. And that's that's what I do it as. It's tribute to the people that inspired me to get into rock and roll and to put on the theatrical stage show. When I was in All the Pretty Horses, uh, Venus de Mars, the, the singer-songwriter of that band, was a huge inspiration to me in many, many ways. Um, and, you know, basically, she was doing what I envisioned myself doing for a long, long time, but she was actually doing it. And I got the chance to audition for her band. And... Uh, they sent me a CD and said, can you learn three songs off this CD? And I had like five days to learn three songs. So I took the CD and I worked on it and I worked on it and I worked on it. And I showed up for the audition and uh, she goes, did you, did you manage to learn three songs? Because we've been having some trouble. People come in and they don't even know one song. I mean, if you can play one or two, that would be fine. And I said, this CD and this, this list here you gave me, that's a set list, isn't it? Because I had played in different bands and things like that long before. And she goes, well, yeah, that's our current set list. I said, oh, okay. Well, I learned all of them. Okay. And she goes, what? And I said, all of them. Wow. And she goes, you learned all the songs. I said, yeah, except for these two on here. You didn't put those on the CD, so I have no idea what they sound like, so I haven't learned those. And she goes, okay, so can you do this first song? We ran through the first song, played it through, not a problem. Well, how about the next song? Sure. After six songs, she's like, you did learn all these songs. I said, yeah, I want to be in the damn band. <laughs> so, wow. um, but I mean, I, I, I lived and breathed that. I mean, I wake up in the morning and I would run through the songs before I had to run out the door and, and go to work. I worked on an IT job um, and I'd, I'd run through the songs. And as soon as I came home, um, I would start working on the songs at night. Sometimes I even came home for lunch during the day and I'd put in the CD and I'd try to play through them as much as I could wow. before I had to go back to work because I wanted that spot. That's it was dedication. going to be mine or I was going to die trying one or the <laughs> other. That's what's up though. That's, that's the mentality you gotta have, you have to have. So may I ask you something? Certainly. Um, all right. So you're, I, I wouldn't say, you know, cause I, I know some people, um, want to be, you know, humble. And I, I take you as a very humble person. And I wouldn't say, like, hey, taking your success, and you're just like, oh, I'm not successful. All right. But, you know, coming out of, compared to, you know, people who never left the garage, if you will, and, you know, your success, how do you humble yourself and allow yourself to not have a big head? Because, you know, I'm a guy with a decent-sized ego, and it's just like I, I, I want to humble myself and maybe – you know, you might give me some insight of, of, of on doing so. Well, there, there's nothing that I've done that anybody else couldn't do. Okay. It just takes dedication. You, you don't find reasonable people on the tops of mountains. If mm -hmm. you want to be on the top of a mountain, it takes uh, a whole lot of dedication to get up there. And you also have to be a little bit crazy. Fortunately, I was a lot crazy, and I had a whole lot of dedication, and so that's what I did. But anybody can do that, and anybody can come up and take your position at any particular time. It happens over and over again in the in entertainment industry. Yeah. One moment, you're the hot item. Um, 
back in 2008, we did over 200 shows that year. Yeah. Um, this last year, I think I did two because of COVID. I mean, yeah, <laughs> so... but that I mean, but you know, you and almost everybody else, I mean, people have, you know, gotten through leeway because, you know, they paid people and, you know, for restrictions to be, you know, cause honestly, you know, the whole system is just money. So I bet you if you paid someone off enough money, you wouldn't have an issue with a venue. But like, you know, you know, for the sake of, you know, you know, certain things, you know, I, I guess like certain artists, you know, big or small had issues during the whole COVID thing. And it's just that it's amazing seeing you rise like the Phoenix you are. And, you know, there's there's one key in that, and that is simply never giving up. Okay. Don't quit. Don't quit. Um, Keep that in everything, mind. Everything is possible as long as you don't give up. The only time you ever, 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 ever fail is when you actually give up and walk away from the table. Oh, then yeah. You're, you're your own enemy. You're if your you own worst quit, enemy. If you don't give up, the game isn't over, and you can always have a chance of succeeding as long as you stay in the game, as long as you keep trying. The moment you stop trying, the game's over. You're done. Um, the one thing my mother never taught me how to do was to give up or quit. But you learn that on your own, obviously. There's there's always some things we learn on our own, and I, I that's one of the things you've mastered. I, I mean, at least to my perspective, you, you, you seem to master. I mean, no one really truly does, but, you know, as far as you came from and as far as you're going, you you're attempting to master it, I should say. I do the best I can, yeah. um, and I try to learn from all my mistakes. That's where wisdom comes from. You yeah. know, the, you learn more from when you fuck up. Yeah. When you make a mistake, when you when you do something wrong, you learn more from that than you ever will from success. Because when you succeed, you don't know exactly what it was that made it go right. You just go, oh, well, I guess that just worked. Yeah. But when you fail, you know damn well what you did wrong, <laughs> and you can learn from it. But you see – that's where I feel like I fall short because sometimes I get lucky. I'm just a lucky son of a bitch. And I i mean, you know, I'm waiting for my luck to run up one day. But, you know, this like, you know, podcasting is is. It's not like my um, uh, what what is it? Uh, my my passion, if you will, like it's, it's just something to connect me to like people like you or just regular ordinary people is it's not like I have to interview the best and most interesting person like you could be off the streets and homeless and it's just like i want you to share your story to me with me but like with you it was just like you seemed so inspiring and i saw your posts on facebook and i saw a lot and i was just like this this is who i want to interview because i i knew that you know you had a um i mean a decent mindset compared to some people that you know have I wouldn't say I, I would I would I, I hate talking down on people. That's one thing I don't love. That have barely barely left their garage, but they they talk so much shit, and they talk down on other people like you know like they made it, and it's just like dude, there are people who have made it and they don't even do that, and it's just like I don't know, it's it's just weird. Well, I guess it's a generational thing, but also is it it's a, it's a cockiness thing. It's about riding your own dick or clit, like you know, you, you can't really do that too much. Well, that, that's that's true. I mean, um, 
people that um, don't know talk a lot. Yeah. People that know don't need to talk about it. That That's a wisdom. That's why I, I did this, you know, to influence people like you to, you know, get me to talk to them because, you know, talking on the phone and, you know, having a conversation with them, like, you know, because I would love to talk, chat it on you, with, with, chat it on you. I don't know how to chat on someone, but chat it with you on the phone and you just, you know, share whatever. But it's just, it makes me look better for you to talk to me if it's just like, hey, I have something going on. And it's just like, cool, you get to promote, you know, whatever you're doing. But also, you know, I have something creative that I'm doing, too. But my my true inspiration for this is just, you know, late night radios, you know, you know, when um you're just driving home and I like to mention her. I like to shout out to Delilah if she ever listens like, you know, it's just like what's going on in your mind, you know, relationships, you know, problems or just a general like, man, I'm constipated. Life is hard. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it's just like, I, I care about that, that you. That would make life hard, particularly if, if that's your regular stake. I wouldn't want to be that person. So. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to hear about you and what you struggle through. And so I know how to not be as constipated as you. And so my audience knows how to not be, too. But in all seriousness, is is that aspect is why I'm doing this. Is because everybody's important, big or small. You have something to say. And I felt like you had something to say. Well, I, I hope I have something to say. Maybe you do. it's halfway decent. Maybe somebody will listen to it. I don't know. You um, might inspire. You inspired me. Like, shit. You might inspire whoever the hell is listening to this. Or just me. Yeah. It, it, you know, this could just be a breakthrough for me. And, you know, that's what's up either way. That's that's the biggest thing for me is uh, because I've been at this, like I say, for 35 years. Yeah. Um, I have had people come and say, you know, you're the reason I started doing music or you're the reason why I joined a band and you're the reason I did this or that or the other thing. And those are the moments I live for. Yeah. That That's better than the royalty checks off the album, which, you know, I think last month bought me a pizza. Um, <laughs> I mean, shit, though. Pizza's not that bad. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, it's something, you know. It's something. Um, rock and roll and music and things like that have taken me places that I would never, ever have gotten to go or see otherwise. And have given me experiences that are one of a kind in this world that I would have never gotten any other way. They, they just can't be had that way. Um, it, it takes going and being on stage and meeting people uh, in different countries and different cities and things like that. Um, I, I've, I've been blessed. I've gotten to live uh, not just one, but several of my childhood dreams. Um, came true and i feel extremely blessed for that i will never take that for granted awesome all right so all right so since you've traveled is um um i guess foreign or domestic where would you revisit or where would you never go again where would i never go again um Rally's Bar and Grill in New Mexico. Oh, shit. That's specific as hell. What happened there? <laughs> so, um, we, we played there, and it was what we call a pickup gig on tour. You have what I consider anchor gigs on tour, and those are your big money gigs. Those are usually your, your Thursday, Friday, Saturday gigs, whatever they might be, and they're the money gigs, the, the ones that actually 
pay you and keep you on the road. Um, but if you're going for a Monday or a Tuesday, Ooh. you're going to take any show that you can get. Yeah. The reason you're going to take any show that you can get is because if you're not playing, you're not making any money at all. You're paying for hotel rooms. You're paying for gas for the tour bus. Um, you're paying for meals for the band and everything. So you're just hemorrhaging money. So you yeah. take whatever you can get, even if you're playing for 50 bucks and food at some club in you know God knows where. Um, you're going to take it because otherwise you're not getting anything. But at least you're getting fed and you're getting 50 bucks to put in the gas tank. Um, so you're going to take it. Well, this was like, I think a Monday or Tuesday at a place called Rally's Bar and Grill. Um, God, it was in New Mexico. I can't remember the city. I, I hate these people, so feel free to look it up on the internet. Google okay. is your <laughs> um, Anyway, we had worked a deal, and I brought uh, two bands onto our Apocalypse Theater and Harsh Reality. I was playing bass for both. And we played this club, and we had worked the deal. Uh, we were going to play for 20% of the bar tab. So basically, whatever the bar brought in that that night, uh, we'd get 20% of it. Um, and, you know, it's like, okay, fine. You know, it'll probably be 100 bucks or something like that. Um, and we played. Before we even played, we got there. And we're like, are we at the right place? Um, because we had sent these big, like, three foot tall posters to try to put the word out that we were coming and everything um, and try to create some excitement about it. So people would come up and, and you know, wonder what's going on. Um, I say with a visual presentation and everything, put up a, a large poster that's very evocative. People will be curious and maybe they'll come see the show. Yeah, that's if you're lucky. Um, and we got there and we don't see any posters up. Oh, man, this is this is rallies. This is the right place. And uh, so I went over there and talk to him. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we got the posters. They were still in the mailing tube behind the bar with the tape still on the ends. They haven't even opened it. Um, and like, you want us to put them up? I'm like, why bother right now? We're going to go on like in two hours. <laughs> Who are you telling yeah, us? Yeah, like? it's already too so, late now. Whoever's they, coming they is coming. They literally went out front and they had one of those uh, sandwich boards on the, the sidewalk type thing. And they you know, use the dry erase marker and, and wrote our names on it. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, whatever. And so, you know, we, we order our food, we order our drinks, we get ready in our stage gear and everything. Um, and we do the show. And God, there must have been 10, 12, maybe 13 of us um, that were in the bands themselves with, with road crew and stuff like that, uh, that were eating and drinking that night and things like that. Um, and then, you know, there's a small crowd. Nobody came to see us because they had no idea we were going to be there. So, no, we didn't have a single person coming. Oh, yeah, I wanted to see you guys. That, that just wasn't happening. Um, but there were some people that were, were, you know, would be walking by, got curious of the stage show and stuff like that and came in. And plus the regular customers for the, the bar and grill. Um, we get done playing and we're, we're packing up and loading out. And they come and give us our paycheck for the night. $20. Whoa. $20 for both bands. So, so $10 per act. Oh, so y'all won't even, y'all both aren't even mad at each other. Y'all were just like, ain't this some bullshit? <laughs> and uh, we're like, I, I want to see the bar receipt because we had a contract. It's like, no, we're not showing you the bar receipts. I said, I know that 13 people in my band eating meals and drinking stuff like, we spent more than $200 at your bar. <laughs> 
So, you know, where's our money? And they're like, well, we're not showing you the receipt and we're not doing this, the other thing. And uh, my singer, Odie, um, wrote him up a handwritten note and basically told him to go get fucked. Um, and we're, we're finishing loading out you know, and basically, you know, he, he wrote it is relatively eloquent yet profane. Um, and we've almost got the bus loaded up. The other band had taken off to go to the hotel because they had a van separate. Um, and we're loading the last gear in. And the manager comes running out with the, with the note. Um, the singer for Apocalypse Theater was standing there with me. Did you guys write this? Did you guys write this? And it hands it to him. And uh, uh, he takes a look at it. And he goes, no, I didn't write this, but we agree with it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and, you know, but basically what they didn't know is the next day we were on one of the local radio stations and we gave them plenty of free advertising for how they treated us. So we, we kind of got even that way. And Hell yeah. It, it, everything in New Mexico, every time we did radio or any interviews, we mentioned them. And I mention them now, and it's like, you know, seven years later. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah, uh, rallies in New Mexico. Go fuck yourselves still to this day. <laughs> Get fucked. All right. Get fucked to this day. <laughs> That's cool. So what place would you revisit? The place that I would revisit that I'd really, I wish it was still there, was CBGB's in New York City. Ooh. Um, I got to play there, I think it was three times, maybe it was twice, I can't remember. It was with all the pretty horses. Um, and it's the legendary punk rock club in New York City. Blondie played there. The Ramones played there. Basically... Iggy Pop, the who's who of rock and roll played there. You know, wow. when you were standing on that stage, you'd be looking down at the stage and there'd be like, you know, gouges and stuff. And it's like, oh, I wonder, wonder who fell there or, you know, whatever it might be, just because it had so much history. Um, and it was dirty and it was absolutely filthy. There were guitar amps and bass amps on stage just like caked in like cigarette ash and sweat. <laughs> so, oh, that's um, awesome. But it had that real vibe. The dressing rooms didn't even have doors on them. Uh, they, so they were like people walking up and down the hall, uh, carrying like kegs of beer and stuff like that, just hustling past. And you know, we're trying to get dressed and everything. And I was, yeah, don't mind my tits. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it doesn't exist anymore because CBGBs, um, they had, I think it was a 45-year lease on the spot in New York City. And their lease came up. And they had been there forever literally um and they wanted over a million dollars a year for that space for this little rock and roll club um and it was a small club i mean it wasn't like a, a big la club or any of the, the big clubs that you see in the, the the big midwestern cities that are the sprawls i mean this is new york so you know space is at a premium so it was a yeah. small club. um but you know because somebody's going to build a high-rise building or something on that that's what the value of that square footage is is a million dollars a year well there's no nightclub that can bring in a million dollars a year to pay rent on a space like that so they were basically ran out and they don't exist anymore that's sad as hell you know and they'd been around since uh the early 60s if i remember right wow that was a good era in music. That's probably why he directed around then. See, CBGB stands for Country Blues and Bluegrass. Oh, I did so not know originally that. Originally what they were. Oh, yeah. Back in the hippie era. So, 
I guess we hit our 30 uh, minute mark and I don't want to keep you for too long. So uh, two things, I guess, uh, let the audience and everyone know what you got going on and then leave everyone with, uh, I guess, a piece of advice or something that you would want to share with uh, other people that might pick them up or just teach them about life. Oh, boy. If I would have known there was going to be a quiz, I would have studied. I mean, <laughs> like. <laughs> okay. What I want everybody to know about life, three little words. It's all you need to know about life. Don't give up. That's the key to everything. Just keep going. I've seen people who have given up, and it's really sad. Some of them actually have given up living. And yeah. it's a reminder out there that no matter how bad it is or how bad you think it's going to get or anything like that, don't give up. As long as you keep playing, as long as you keep going, moving forward, there's always a chance that you'll win. The only time you ever lose is if you quit. So don't give up. Never quit. Uh, what I've got coming up is um, Apocalypse Theater here in Minneapolis on March 4th. Um, I think we're in Minneapolis again at the Hook and Ladder on April, but I don't remember what April because I don't have my calendar in front of me because I didn't prepare for this interview. Like I said, I didn't. I, I don't know what day so, today is, man. Like, I is today's a, a Wednesday, right? You don't, know what, you don't know what day today is? It's Valentine's Day. Oh my God. I I have two girlfriends and sometimes I forget. They, they, I forget my own oh, birthday. Is, no, I forget my birthday, you. so they let me ride. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, if this idiot forgets his own birthday, you know, <laughs> what the hell else is he going to forget? <laughs> I was lucky to remember this interview. That's why we had to reschedule last time, because I fucked up. <laughs> well, you, you sent me something at like 10 o'clock in the morning. I said, like, we said PM. And tonight, you, I said Central Time. You're like, yeah, See, Central I Time. I got excited. Like 930. And I Are thought it was like, late. <laughs> And I panicked. I was just like, oh, no, I'm late. <laughs> Wait, I forgot I had an hour. Yeah, that's the other thing I want to leave all everybody with. Learn how to tell time. There we go. <laughs> yes, yes. Learn how to. That's the most important thing that if we learn from any day today, we learn that it's important to tell time. Well, if you if you end up thinking of other questions and things like that, I'd always be happy to come oh, on again. Oh, you'd be happy to come uh, back. Cool. That's I was about to ask you that. All right. Thanks. Oh. Maybe I'll even drag a band member with me and we can do a dual interview and that way we can argue oh, <laughs> how things happen or something. That's fucking so. awesome. Oh, thank you so much, Tempest. It, it has been a blessing to have you here. So all of you, you know, who are, you know, on your way home or still at work or, you know, just, you know, just chillaxing, you know, you have a good night, sweet dreams, or, you know, have a good rest of your night. And I hope your next day is, you know, just as well. This is uh, Mr. J and Tempest, and thank you for coming up late with us on the night sh graveyard shift. I forgot the name of my own podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Cheers. <laughs> Good night.